Blog Talk Radio. WIJSF.com. Women in Jazz South Florida Inc. is a nonprofit educational organization that promotes women musicians globally through events, concerts, performances, clinics, lectures, workshops, articles, interviews, newsletters, courses, contacts, research, history, archives, websites, film, audio and video recordings, and recognition. Visit us at wijsf.com. You're listening to blogtalkradio.com slash musicwoman with your... Good afternoon, and this is Dr. Diva J.C. here in breezy South Florida. While the rest of the country is under snowstorms, digging themselves out, I'm laid back on the lawn in South Florida, loving it, don't hate. You just listened to a piano piece by my guest, Marsha Dunscombe. And it's reminiscent of the most important person in my musical career, which was my piano teacher, Gerald Price, who lived in Philadelphia. So I'm going to talk to Marcia today about her ventures as a music teacher. Marcia, welcome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And you said it's chilly in Georgia, but there's no snow, right? No, 
No snow, no rain. We're just just cold and windy today, but we can't complain about our winters. Okay. Well, I was there during the time that there was a blizzard and (laughs) there were a thousand car accidents on the road. I remember that. It only takes a little bit of snow to... To make a real mess here of the traffic, and and that yeah. event that you're talking about was a lot of snow and ice, and it it shut the city down for a, a while. It did, it did. So tell me, when and and how did you first come to music as a child? As a child, my grandmother had a piano in her home, a, a big upright, and um, this was before television, so when the family gathered at grandmother's house on a Sunday afternoon to have lunch, after lunch, everybody gathered around the the piano and sang, and my co- older cousin, Sandra, was the official piano player for the event and I coveted her gig and I learned all the songs so that I could someday take over from Sandra and I did so I I was I had a few lessons but I was more self-taught did a lot by ear and um, read just enough to fill in the parts that I couldn't totally get by ear and I you know studied later and and filled in all the blanks but um but in my in the beginning it was just the love of music and the um the desire to be the one on the piano bench when the whole family was singing that's beautiful that's beautiful so you said you went on so you studied music theory Later in life, much later, um, my uh, gig was as the church pianist, and I was about 14, and I was in the choir, and I learned all the hymns so that one day I knew that the church pianist was going to need a Sunday off, and when I would get to choir practice early and be at the piano playing the hymns so that people knew I could play those hymns. Right. And, and, and then there was the day that um, Jeannie was, couldn't be there, and they said, Marsha, could you play the piano? So, so then I became eventually the full-time church pianist from the time I was about 14 until I was, until I was 18. And I really didn't study seriously for years. I, I again, I was doing, I was reading enough. Just when there was something I couldn't figure out by ear, then I would read. But I was not a good reader, and I didn't know theory at all. And I, I decided that I wanted to learn about it, and so I took. I took some classes, and then I became a theory 
theme. I, I'm just theory just fascinated me the way it worked and and uh, and uh, the reading skills they're harder to build if you do it if you start in the middle but you can do it if you find to it. Okay, so now how far did you go? Because in order to teach piano, you must understand the theory. Isn't that correct? Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's correct. I, I, my daughter was studying piano with a teacher, and and I was helping Cheryl with her lessons, and and I, I asked Cheryl's teacher. I said, "Where can I go to learn more about how to teach piano?" And she told me about some pedagogy classes that were being conducted in Atlanta for the Robert Pace method. And she said, this is the the best course for learning the theory. You learn because they start teaching the kids about one and five, seven chords and how to, what notes you use to improvise and anything that the kids played in their method book. Then we improvised in that style. So um, I, I kind of learned along with, I, I took five um, five levels of those pedagogy classes and a, a teacher in the area who had a class of four students got transferred to Chicago. Her husband took a job in Chicago and and they asked me if I would take over her classes. And so then I really had to try to stay two pages ahead of my students. So I've, my whole life is a series of being in the right place at the right time and and working like crazy to to make up for, to play catch up because I was never really prepared for anything that I did. I just managed to... <laughs> To make it happen. Okay. Now you <laughs> you sent me three piano pieces, but how many pieces would you say that you have composed? Oh, do you know I would have to have to look, but I would say probably a couple of hundred. They're mostly short. They're often. Um, only eight or sixteen measures, just something to help a student um, with a skill that they are working on that they need to to learn. And and I will compose a piece that uses that skill in in a way that helps the student conquer it. And and the students enjoy my pieces, so um, I. I just write when when I forget, have something that that I have a need, then I write something that fills that need, and then I have to go back in the computer into the finale files and and even see what all I have because I forget what what's in there. Have you ever thought about putting them in a book? I have a book called. Let's begin that I put together for my students because the, I like to start beginners 
with improvisation, learning the concepts of music, learning the learning the theory, learning how things work, and using that much the way we learn to speak long before we have to read what's on the page. So I have students making music from the very first lesson and the reading skills we add a little bit later. And so I call that book Let's Begin. And then the next book that follows that I call Let's Read. And and it introduces the the reading skills and I use the well known you know, kids love to do songs that they know and when I can use classical pieces like for Elise that they love to play because they've heard it and it it makes them feel like they are very successful mm-hmm. and so I I do my arrangements that fit the skills that they have and so I have those two books that they're self-published I wasn't trying to um, I, I was just feeling the need for my students I and some other teachers in the area saw the books and purchased them from me but it's not something that I've gone on a big you know trying to get it published or trying to get it into the um, the catalog of Chose or any of the major houses just, I'd okay, rather spend so my time on teaching. You like to teach, right? I like to teach, and mm-hmm. and you know, I know that trying to get it published would be a lot of work, and I'd rather write two more pieces with that time than you. Right, and, right. Um, it's just not not something that, and and I'm fortunate enough in in that that's not a source of an important source of income for me the the using the compositions is not so you know i just do it because i do it for the love of it and if it makes the students smile and makes their parents happy then all is well right now do you have a publishing house and are you with bmi or ascap no i just I just um, put it in in finale and print it out and take it to the local. There's a little local print shop that will print it and bind it with the spiral binder and and uh, and I sell them for about a dollar more than what they actually cost me. <laughs> so to mm-hmm. the students, so it, it you know I'm not. I'm not motivated to try to climb that hill. Um, And everything in my life with music has sort of found me. It hasn't been something that I went out in search of. And and so getting those published more more than just in my backyard has not found me. So... And I'm, I mean, I'm okay with that. Okay, well, it doesn't cost anything to be with ASCAP. It, I did pay 
to join BMI years ago. Um, and I collected maybe $60 in royalties a year. So it wasn't that worth it, you know, to me. Mm -hmm. But what I would like to talk to you about, first of all, I want to talk to you about your experience in Montreux, which was fascinating. <laughs> uh, I, I can't get enough of Montreux, Switzerland. I guess you got that by now. Uh, so go ahead and tell us. Um, and I know there's, there's a whole lifetime between the time that you were 14, and, and, you know, playing in church and the time that you were emceeing in Montreux. We might well, have time let, enough for you to highlight some of those things, but I'd like for you to skip over the waters and kind of get to how you got there. Well, I will... I will just touch a little bit on the in-between steps because it, it makes the story make more sense. Right. I loved jazz. I always loved jazz. And I thought I knew something about jazz because I had some records and I listened, you know, I listened to the jazz station on the radio and I played, I improvised. Um, I, and so I think it was in 1972 or something like that, a friend said, why don't you go with me to the Stan Kenton Summer Jazz Clinic? And I thought, oh, that'll be fun. I know about jazz. I'll, I'll just be there to learn a couple of new things. And But I already know, you know, because I had been teaching improvisation for quite a while. Well, the Stan Kenton Summer Jazz Clinic has the Stan Kenton jazz band was in residence for the entire week. They gave a concert every night and, and we attended classes all day long. And I found out that I didn't know anything. And then I really got I I really got the bug to to take jazz lessons and to here again to play catch up and to learn the things that I didn't know. And that led me to joining the it was the National Association of Jazz Education at that time, and then it eventually became the International Association for Jazz Education. And so it was through um, my membership with IJE that I um, made the connection to to wind up in Montreux. Uh, my husband at the time was working for Montreux and and my first couple of years in Montreux I was just there as a as a guest I was just with him and watching and enjoying and then it was the third year that that we were there and they needed an extra pair of hands because they had three stages going at one time and there were only two people available to do the MC and they said Marcy would you like to do this and I said sure so that was the beginning of me being part of the team to to welcome the groups that came the educational groups the community groups that came that paid all of their own expenses to come and perform at the Montreux Jazz Festival in the 
in the free stages this, throughout the village of Montreux, there were many venues that had jazz performances happening, as well as the main stage, which was ticketed, and that was where the the Miles Davis and the Dizzy Gillespie and the David Sanborn, they, they were on the main stage. But our groups were performing in the Montreux Jazz, during the Montreux Jazz Festival, and they were sponsored by the festival, invited by the festival, and got to claim that they had performed at the Montreux Jazz Festival. So it was a win-win. And uh, I did that from 1988 until 1998. So it was was a good long run and a lot of a lot of wonderful memories, a lot of special moments. And what else would you like me to say about that? Well, I want to say that I was one of the people that benefited from the Montreal Off Jazz Festival. And uh, I remember you from that. <laughs> that and it's, it's, it's amazing because you have been in so many of the places that I have been, and we wound up together in Pen Women. So nothing is, I don't think this coincidence. I think there's yeah. coinciding, you know, coin, things coincide. Mm-hmm. But it's not coincidental. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying, and I feel the same way. I feel like, you know, we were supposed to reconnect at this point in time, you were so gracious when I jumped in to be interim music editor for the Pen Woman magazine because the person who had been doing that had some family emergencies and she, she, her mother was in hospice care and, she, and Kathy just needed to have a break. And I said, well, let me just help out for a minute and, and until you get back on your feet. And so one of the things, an idea that I had was to reach out to all of the music members of the National League of American Pen Women and say, let's, let's network, let's talk to each other. And that was how I reconnected with you. And you were so gracious and so giving of your time and knowledge and expertise. And, um, and I, I, I knew I remembered your name from Montreux, and then one time when we were talking, I said, you remember that we met in Montreux <laughs> many years ago? So but you know, it, your I'm, name is somewhere else, too. Um, okay, you were at Florida International University. Okay. Yes. Then... Um, I, I'm not, oh, IAJE is probably where we met because I was at the conference in, I think I was at one in New York. I was at one in Miami. I presented in El Paso, Texas. I presented it's Albuquerque. I mean, um, San Antonio was the. Uh, yes. Yes. What's the location? Yeah. So, you know, we've we've been like ships passing in the night, <laughs> and now we're in the light. Finally, I think it's wonderful. 
<laughs> I, I, do. I think it, it's um, exciting to see where our renewed friendship will take us because we both have so many of shared interests. I'm just really impressed with uh, your plans for building the archives in North Carolina, and, and that is just such a, a grandiose plan, and, and I'm such a, yes. such a big, big dream. You, you, don't, you don't start off small. <laughs> well, well, the truth is that for this venture, I did start off small. It's just that I got this vision in 2010, and I can't let it go. I know how important women's music is. And just today, I got an article that I will share with you once I remember where it is. But it was saying that women's music is only 11 Point four percent of the music presented in concert halls. And from the time of Fanny Mendelssohn publishing her works under Felix's name because she couldn't she couldn't get published because she was female, you'd right. think that all this many years later, we would have taken a little bit more of the market share than that, but it's still a very small slice, but but we're going to fix that, aren't we? Well, I, let's put it this way. I've been working on this. I've been chipping away at this rock since 1997, and I, they, do you remember a little new uh, magazine, Jazz Beat, in Florida? The no, Jazz Beat. No, I, I don't know. The little magazine, or hot, hot, it, hot jazz. That's what it was called. And it listed everything. Well, my friend, Marsha, <laughs> that's why I've been thinking about her all week, too, because of your name. She um, wrote an article about me, and the editor changed the title to Joan Cartwright Jazz Warrior. And I was incensed because I didn't see myself as fighting. But, yes, I've been fighting for women's rights and music, and the battle, you know, just keeps going on and on. Well, we'd like to think that we didn't have to go to war, but I, but sometimes we do have to be aggressive and assertive in order to make changes. Well, that's true. But I find the more pleasurable part is connecting with women musicians like we did on that Jazz Women Hang with Sibongale in South Africa. Yes. You know, we we had someone in Sweden. We had 
three people in South Africa, one in Denmark, you're in Georgia, I'm in Florida. Monique Chow was in Milan, but she's from Taiwan. This was just one little Zoom, you know, Mm -hmm. and when we do our Zoom with our members, sometimes we get eight, nine, ten people, and it just grows. You know what I'm saying? It Mm -hmm. just grows. So I don't think you abandon the ship. I think you have to stick with it and do as much as you can. And this dream is in my daughter's vision, too. So trustfully, she will continue the work. You know, I'm training her. She's a diva in training. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's important that we recognize that we have to make it happen. We have to insist that that there be women's groups and groups groups that are all women, not just one woman in the ensemble, but but a female group because we've got plenty, plenty, plenty of of competent musicians in jazz and in the other disciplines. Um, that we don't have to just take a seat when somebody can't show up. <laughs> I think you're right, Marsha. Now, the thing about it is, and I've had this conversation with so many people, is that there is a difference in the um, lifestyle of a singer than there is in an instrumentalist. What do you think about that? I think that's true. I think there are times um, when, as a vocalist, they want a female vocalist where uh, they wouldn't necessarily care if the saxophone is being played by a woman or a, or, or a man if the, if the chops are good. But with a, with a singer, sometimes... A, a female vocalist is more impactful for whatever the program is. So, uh-huh. um, and, you know, there are times when being a female is an advantage. There are more times when it's a disadvantage, but there are the times when it, that it can be an advantage, as in if they need a female singer, they need a female singer. They don't need RuPaul. Um, so... <laughs> You know, I think that was the case with Danielle Tom. He needed a singer. And so that's how I got to sing on the Off Festival, because he met me at the Duke's Bar, and then he asked me to come and join him. Uh, up And, you know, we were high above. That was a wonderful experience. We were high yeah. above the walkway and looking over the lake and, you know, I'm singing songs that Ella Fitzgerald sang at the Montreal Jazz Festival. You know, it was great. And if, if, if you hadn't had the chops, it would have been a one-time thing, and then then you would have never sung again. But you had the skills. You had the chops. And all you 
needed was the opportunity for people to hear you and and you know that's what I say about a lot of the things that have happened in my life is I was in the right place at the right time but I also had the skills to 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 tackle yeah right you brought right. So just being in the table. right place at the right time is only part of the story. So. Right. I want to not forget something, though. Do you remember that IAJE had a women's caucus? You remember that? I do. Now, were you a part of the women's caucus? I, I was not a real active part of it and I can't remember why I, um, I don't know if it met at a time that it wasn't convenient for me but but I, I don't remember being real active with that I was I was active in the children's jazz oh, part okay. of it because I was pushed which was something that I sort of came up with and, and began to push because I believed that if you wait until people are in college to start trying to teach them jazz, you've wasted 15 years. That They need to learn to love jazz. They need to learn to improvise at, from the beginning. Right. And, uh, and so I, I promoted the, um, the children's jazz, and we had um, – we had – some groups from around the country. Um, Josh Greenberg, who was someplace in New England, had a group called the Mother Goose Jazz Band, and he took he took um, jazz standards and put children's lyrics to them and created a a, a CD of jazz standards with children's lyrics, and he performed for he and his group performed for youngsters and Dr. Billy Taylor was on the program. He and he and I presented together because Dr. Taylor was so, he loved the idea of teaching jazz first to to young children. And so they put a, we did a program together, a joint program and um, at one of the conferences, I don't even remember what city we were in, but that was a great honor to me to be on the stage with Dr. Billy Taylor. Woo. <laughs> so. Yes, yes. I knew him in New York. So, mm-hmm. so tell me, Marsha, you sent me a lead sheet for a song that you dedicated to me. This is so wonderful. Dreamy Diva, tell me, how did you come up with that? Well, I was trying to, you had said you needed some songs of mine, and I was looking in finale trying to figure out what to send to you. And I thought, let me just write something new. And so I I did. And then you have to figure out what to call it. And I saw your Diva JC name on your um email and I thought well we're just going to call it the, some kind of diva I like alliterations I like to use 
words that start with the same letter when I'm titling things and okay. and it, it, I don't know why, but you know I have one that I wrote for the kids called Beaver Bounce and another one called <laughs> you know it's it's just I don't think that is fun and so I thought what kind of a what kind of a diva can I put with that and so I came up with dreamy diva so <laughs> it's just <laughs> okay well we're gonna listen to dreamy diva by Marcia Dunscombe I cannot wait here we go <laughs> be right back So we're going to have to write some lyrics to that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It reminds me of a tune that I wrote in Delray Beach, which is like five miles down the road where my grandfather had a house. And I renovated the house for his wife, and I bought a piano. And then I wrote the Delray Blues. And it's kind of similar. It's not the same, but similar. Yeah. So I'm going to listen to this and see if I can put some words to it. And then on March the 5th, my music is going to be sung by two really good vocalists at the Arts Garage in Delray Beach. So I'm going to see if they can do this piece. We have to... Oh, wow. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> That's exciting. How it goes, yeah. Because I like it. It's dreamy diva. And, <laughs> you know, I just have to write some lyrics about dreaming, I guess. Because I have a song called Dreaming. And oh, okay. I wrote it and dedicated it to Freddie Hubbard. But that wasn't the song that he recorded. The one he recorded is called Sweet Return. Did you ever hear that? No, I need to listen to that. Is it on YouTube? Can I find it on the... You can, but I'm going to play one okay. minute of it, okay? Oh, one well, minute. great. Perfect. Okay. you go and listen to the rest on YouTube. It was nine minutes, Marsha. And Joanne Martin is the one who wrote everything out because I'm not a good notator, okay? I can come up Mm -hmm. with the melodies and the lyrics, but the notation kind of gets lost in the sauce. So she actually sat there and wrote the tune out as I played it, and I'm telling you, other than my two children, this is the greatest thing I ever created. <laughs> it is a wonderful song. I love it. <laughs> okay. So now, what are you doing right now, musically? 
Right now, musically, I am um, teaching a handful of students. When the pandemic started, um, we went to teaching on FaceTime. I never, it never occurred to me that I could teach without actually having the student in the room with me. But um, when when the pandemic hit and we went into total isolation, I offered it to my students. I said, let's, and some friends of mine who were also teachers were doing it and they were having success with it. And so I said to my students, uh, I'd like to try it. I'm I'm not going to charge you in, in the beginning because if, if it doesn't work, I don't want to feel like I've taken your money and, and it, and didn't give you anything of value. But if, if it works, then we'll start to charge tuition again. And and um, so everyone has stayed with it. Um, the uh, students who are vaccinated have now begun to come back to lessons in the studio, but some of them we're still doing on FaceTime, and, um, and it's working. So... That's my that's my big musical involvement at this point in time. I it's been about two and a half years when I was loading my keyboard and sound system and everything into the car to play a wedding and reception that I decided that I was finished moving furniture that I would play up if if somebody needed a piano player and they had a piano I would be happy to perform but um, I was through hauling equipment because I had had enough birthdays that that was not fun anymore <laughs> and so I Understood. so <laughs> so I and then of course the pandemic hit and all all live performances um, came to a screeching halt. And mm-hmm. I haven't been out, well, I'm, I'm still about 70% isolated. The, the new variant kind of has pushed me back into my hermit life. Um, I'm hoping that this we can resume being together with people again sometime soon, but got to stay safe. And life goes on. So what I would like to know from you, you recently became a member of Women in Jazz South Florida. What attracted you, besides me, not me, but what attracted you to the organization? And what benefits do you see yourself? Uh, getting well, you were the the first attraction, the first because I wouldn't have known about it without um, without reconnecting with you. But then when I read about what you were doing and and that you had jazz musicians and and women women musicians from around around the country. Uh, Many of them in South Florida, where I lived for 11 years when I was at Florida International University. So I just thought, this is something 
I, I would like to um, be a part of, and I don't really know what benefit. You know, many times I get on a horse and I don't know where it's going, but it just looks like a nice horse and it looks like it's something I want to do, and that's <laughs> kind of the way I felt about this is that okay. I, I, I adore you and your energy and your um, creativity with with making things happen, and why wouldn't I want to be a part of that? I mean, it's it's, it's just and ready for the next chapter since I'm not hauling keyboard equipment anymore. Uh, I don't know what opportunity will present itself. Or maybe maybe it won't be an opportunity. Maybe it'll just be meeting people and having the um, the joy of connecting with jazz female jazz musicians throughout the country. And I'm open to see what women in jazz in South Florida where it takes me, and and I'm sure it's going to be fun. Yes, so, uh, Marsha, I'm so happy to have you on this radio show with me. Um, <laughs> and my daughter just called in, and I, I'm I'm speaking, Mimi, with a lady who worked at the Montreal Jazz Festival back in the 90s when I first went there and sang, and she's a music teacher in Georgia, in Tyrone, Georgia. Yes. So I'm going to call you right after I'm finished, okay? All right. All right. (laughs) Uh, That's my Mimi. (laughs) Yes. So um, now you have children. Do they follow in your musical steps? Um, My children had the four years of piano lessons that they thought the state required because their mother told them that. (laughs) (laughs) You're the best, Marsha. And then my son. (laughs) Seriously. No, wait. You just made my Friday. You just made my Friday. You I'm going to take that out, and I'm going to make it a, a gift with your <laughs> And then my son um, um, went to North Texas State University and majored in music. Um, he was a trombone player, and he was there for two years, and he said, I don't love playing the trombone enough to continue with this. He said, there are people who've been on the road with Woody and which, and they've come in and they're going back to school to get a degree so they can teach and they love to play. And he said, I just, this is not my dream. And so he, he left it and I don't think he touches the horn at all. So both of my children were, they had an adequate amount of talent, but no passion for it. Mm-hmm. And you you got to have the passion for it. And I, they didn't get that from me. I tried. <laughs> you, 
Yeah, but they got the music. And once mm-hmm. the music gets in you, you you know, it 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 does calm the beast. It it gives you a different perspective on life. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yes. Oh yes, yes. I definitely agree. Yeah. Now I have a final piece that you wrote called Go with the Flow. So I wanna play that and then I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. So, what I hear, Marsha, is that some of the singers, they need a piano teacher. And I know that Sheila Firestone and Grace Joy Reed, they started studying with Sonny Paxson in California. They do Zoom classes. And they said... Oh, really? Yeah. And so... I think that there's probably room because Sonny is teaching jazz improvisation. You're teaching more beginner piano. Is that true? I I teach all levels of of piano. Um, I've I've gotten I've had a few students who have gone on to major in music, one in jazz, one in classical, and and in the of the last ones, but. My passion is for teaching beginners. I love to get young beginners started on the right track and have them improvising and have them understanding the theory of what they're doing from from day one. If you wait until they've been playing the piano for four years and then you try to back up and say, okay, now let's look at, at the harmony and look at the, what the scales are doing. It's too late. They need to study that as they go from the beginning. And so that's that's where my passion is, is with the young ones. Right. But right. But I do work with I do work with um adults and, and adult beginners and adult um one of the things I taught when I was at New World School of the Arts in, in Miami was the um 
the piano classes for the students who played violin and cello and they they all needed basic piano skills and I taught those classes so uh-huh. that's I've, uh, I've done a little recorded, bit of everything. <laughs> have you recorded a CD? Mm-mm. No, no I'm no. <laughs> I have no. Okay. All right. I mean, these, well, these examples that you played were not me performing. Those were being performed by Sonali, the playback function, because it it makes an MP3. And uh, no, that was what you said you needed. So I just let the let the computer play them. <laughs> but you had played them because that's how I made my songbook. I played it into finale. So you had already yeah. played them into there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I'm I'm going to listen to them some more. And I'm going, because I'm not a great piano player by any stretch of that. I mean, I'm, I just play well enough to get my tunes, you know, organized. But, and I haven't written a song in many, many years now. I don't think. I can't remember writing anything lately. Um, little things that I play on the piano, you know. But Well, I, I will tell you, I, one of the people that I studied with was Freddie Cole. Freddie Cole lived in Atlanta, and he was Nat King Cole's brother. Yeah. And I took a few lessons from, from Freddie, and one of the things that he told me is that when when you were accompanying a vocalist, whether it's yourself or whether it's an, another vocalist, you don't want the piano to compete. You want the piano to support and mm-hmm. and and enhance, but not to be in competition and not trying to be too fancy and and too much all over the place. So if you can play the chords that support you and do a do a fill and a spot or two where your musical ear tells you it belongs, you're doing just fine. (laughs) Okay. Well, listen, we're at the end of this show. It has been such a delight to talk to you. And I, now, I hope you saw the newsletter um, for January. I think you featured me. Yes. Uh Anything that you want me to promote, you just have to send it to me in an email, and I will promote it for you. Thank you okay. so much. It's, I'm so excited about our our reconnecting and and our friendship developing at this point, at this stage. I mean, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good ride. It is. And we're just looking for $300 million, so that's well, it. All right. <laughs> At least you know what your goal is. (laughs) Yes, I do. I do. Well, you have a wonderful weekend. And we will chat very soon. Okay? Sounds sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, my dear. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. W-I-J-S-F dot com. Women in Jazz, South Florida, Inc. 
is a nonprofit educational organization that promotes women musicians globally.